Open your Bible to Ezekiel 37, if you would. If you don't have a Bible, you can look up at the uh, overhead. Uh, some of these guys have to sit through this twice. Paul told me he's going to give me an evaluation whether the uh, first one was better or the second one. So uh, we don't know whether the first one is warm up and the second one gets better, or if the first one has the, the, all, the, all the energy and the, the second one is a deflated balloon. So. Yeah, good thing Jesus is here anyway. Ezekiel 37, you're going to think this is the only scripture I know, the only thing I ever preach, is Ezekiel 37, and it's, that it probably is. <laughs> uh, from verse 10, we're going to get to, but uh, it's a story, you know, of dry bones and uh, God speaking to the prophet to declare the life to dry bones and breath. In verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. We've seen God breathing life to dry bones in the last couple of years, and uh, it's only he that can do that. Uh, but what hit me about this is it's not God breathing life to dry bones just so that we'll be alive, but so that we'll actually be an exceedingly great army. His intent is to raise up an army. Uh, and I believe that that's part of the, the focus, the greater focus over the next season is equipping saints to be an army. Uh, we still want God to breathe life to dry bones. He can still do that, and I believe he will. Uh, every time I think we're beyond that, he brings us back to that. That's why this is the only scripture he knows. It's not me. Uh, but. But dry bones can be more than just that we don't have life, but it can be marriages. He can breathe life to dry bones, to relationships, to dreams, to destinies. He can breathe life to that. We want to see that. But that's not our primary focus. We're going to move on and say, okay, now and how do we equip this army? And that's what, really what we want to do over the next few weeks. If you turn with me to Genesis 26. This is kind of the uh, scripture that I felt God was speaking to me to, uh, to get us started in this. Uh, from verse 18, and Isaac dug again the wells of water which, ha which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the name which his father had called them, and Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one, so they called it another name, Sidna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. And he called this name Rehoboth, which means spacious. He said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. We're going to do a series on redigging the wells of healing. I believe there's something that God's wanting to do that He has moved in healing in the past in the church, and the Philistines have buried that or, or filled those in, or it's been stolen and robbed from the priests. That it becomes the, the special anointed evangelists that can do that but not normal people. And part of what God's wanting to do, I think, is rebuild or redig something of that. 
In saying that, that doesn't mean that God isn't already moving and healing. He is. Most of you have experienced that. Uh, you're seeing it around the world and increase. Uh, I think there has been uh, different phases of God restoring truth to the church. And you can look in history as a big picture of the restoration of truth. But also in this, there has been phases of that. And so uh, I'm not by any means saying that we've got the handle on it. But our approach, I just really felt in God that we want to develop a whole Bible view of healing. And one of the things we believe is the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible, which sounds great. It's the whole Bible part that gets difficult. There's a whole lot in there. And so when we talk about a whole Bible view of healing, it's a big task. It's going to take patience on your part. You know, it's hard to take a whole Bible concept and break it up so it makes sense in 30-minute sections. <laughs> and I haven't done that very well, and I'm telling you right now, <laughs> no, my wife is giving me a tough time. Uh, the, the danger is that we, in, we can end up reducing the whole Bible view to little cliches or sound bites. And we think that that represents God's heart. And often it doesn't. It represents a soundbite. James 3.1 says, Let not many of you be teachers, for you face a stricter accountability or a greater judgment. I take that seriously. Uh, I've got other people going to help with this series. Tony, Lance, they take it seriously. What we say means absolutely nothing. I've just been shocked this week that everybody uncle has an opinion on everything and they can put it now on social media, and there's absolutely no accountability. Yet in the kingdom, God says, be careful what you say. See that, let not many of you be teachers in the context of guarding your tongue. Because what you say is important. So we take this seriously. So I'm gonna ask you to be patient and don't jump ahead to where you think this should go or to skip ahead to the good parts. Let's get to the good stuff. The difficulty is that we're, we have people in this church from a lot of different backgrounds, from traditional denominational churches to charismatic backgrounds to Pentecostal backgrounds to all kinds of different things. And so uh, what that means is that we often have filters on how we see the word, how we see the Bible. We've been taught certain things that, that end up being filters, almost like colored glasses that we see things through. And the problem with filters is that usually we're unaware that we have filters. We, we're definitely aware that other people have them. I can tell you what Tony's are. No, he has no filters, like glasses. But we're often blind to our own. And so we need the Holy Spirit to show us. But some of the, the filters we're going to deal with next week uh, might not apply to you. But they might definitely apply to the person that you're praying for if you're going to move in the air of healing. And so you need to know what is the 
filter that is stopping them from seeing a biblical perspective. We're going to deal with that next week. That was the teaser to get you back. No. Uh, Johan said uh, a couple weeks ago, quoting John Wimber, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. And uh, I think that in this, I want to encourage you that risk isn't I'm going to do something crazy. Risk is I'm going to risk what I think might be the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to respond to that. I might not be sure. Most of us would like, if you're anything like me, I would love God to write it in the sky if he wants me to pray for Steve. Write it up here so that it's so obvious I can't miss it. He just doesn't tend to do that. I've been praying for that. Usually it's more of a nudging or a something that I have to learn to respond. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But let me encourage you in this. James 3.1 talks about my responsibility, but James 1.22 talks about your responsibility. It says this. Don't be hearers of the word only. It says, be doers, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Let me tell you this. If you think you grow in maturity by hearing good messages, you're deceived. Isn't that a bit harsh for us? No, that's the Bible. You grow by what you do, by how you apply it. Oh man, if I just get enough word, if I just listen to enough input, if I, there's stuff on YouTube and, and downloads and podcasts, and if I just hear enough, I'll, I'll eventually become anointed. And sometimes we have this idea that God's just going to download something on us, and boom, I'm going to become a super evangelist or super teacher or something. And the reality is that we grow little by little, line upon line, precept on precept, applying and responding to the truth so that it transforms us. So I want to encourage you, do it. We're going to be talking about healing. Randy Clark says in his book on Guide to Healing, he says, if you want to move in the air of healing, pray for 200 sick people to be healed. Don't pray for one or two and then say, well, it worked or it didn't work. Just say, okay, God, here's, here's your word. A friend of mine years ago, a wonderful guy, uh, grew up in Louisiana, didn't have much education, was part of our church in Southern California, and I was teaching a course that, that consisted of 12 classes. And I asked him if he would teach one of the classes. And he said, I've never done that. I don't know that I can, but I'll try. God's grace is sufficient. And he did. And eventually he taught three or four. And eventually he taught the whole course. And he, we asked him to, to lead a small group. And he said yes. And said, I haven't done that before. I don't know if I can, but I'll try. God's grace is sufficient. And eventually he became a leader of leaders and eventually became a pastor simply by saying yes to every opportunity that God set before him. He didn't have some dream that one day 
there's something of that that affects us, but he every day said yes. So let me encourage you. What we do here is provide opportunities, and that's all. You've got to say yes to God. Whew. The foundation of all this, as Johan said six weeks ago, is love. If it's not based on love, if our desire to move into the supernatural of healing is not based on love, it's a waste of time. And so let me encourage you. What that means, because risking is sometimes, I think God's saying something, I'm going to try it. And sometimes I'll get it right and sometimes I won't. And sometimes it gets messy. But love says there's no condemnation. Love says, hey, wonderful for trying. Love says there's room. One of the arguments in the classic Pentecostal approach to healing, someone said it's, uh, we believe in healing with a side dish of guilt and condemnation. If you're not healed, it's your fault. And so we serve up this side dish. None of that. We're not going to do that. I hope. So what's the goal? The goal of this series, simply stated, is this. To see an army of ministers, which is all of us, moving in supernatural healing so the kingdom of God is advanced and Jesus is glorified. Let me say that again because you need to write that down. I didn't see your pencils moving very fast. <laughs> to see an army of ministers moving in supernatural healing so the kingdom of God is glorified. This isn't about your gifting being exalted or your ministry having a place or you being given a platform to minister into the world. It's about the kingdom being advanced and Jesus being glorified. That's the whole Bible view. You still with me? Okay, let's do it. Shall we get started after all that? <laughs> now you know why last week's was an introduction to my introduction. I have long introductions that I've got five minutes to do the rest. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 15. I want to establish one foundational principle this morning. I only have 30 minutes, so I'm going to give it to you in little bite-sized pieces. Someone said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so you're going to get a whole Bible view over the next few weeks in little pieces. Exodus 15, verse 26, and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the, the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. First foundational principle, God is a healer. He says he's a healer. I'm not telling you he's a healer. I'm telling you what he says. There's a lot of things I wish God were. Unfortunately, a lot of preaching is what people think God should be like. I'm going to tell you, God should be a really nice guy. Okay, but what does God say? 
This is God's revelation. He's a, he, that raises another question, which we're going to get to next week. Here's my second teaser for next week. Is Why in the world is healing necessary? Did God make a mistake when he created? That's all his fault, right? No. Now you're going to say, uh-oh. <laughs> God reveals himself as a healer. He's the God who heals. Psalm 103. From verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. You need to understand there's a reason why that's listed first. That's the greatest benefit. Because that's eternal. We get forgiven and restored to relationship with God. That's a spiritual healing that affects our eternity who heals all your diseases. This is who God is. Who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I like that part. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I like the youth renewed part. I'm claiming that one. I don't know what like the eagles means. I read that, I went, do egos just not, do they, do they get younger as they get older or something happen? I, have you ever seen an old eagle? Have you ever, I, I don't know. <laughs> they what? Oh. But, but, but the bottom line is, these are benefits. God, God heals. But you know, when we look at the New Testament, we see that Jesus also heals. Matthew chapter 4. If you haven't figured this out, if you're visiting with us, then I'm apologizing. I believe that, that the Bible is the important part, and so we're going to read a lot of different scriptures. And so, so don't apologize, my wife says. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 23. says, and Jesus went, oh, before I get into that, let me just add this kind of aside. In Exodus, somehow it ties obedience in there. We're going to get to that in about three weeks. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed that's the New King James. The word possessed is not there. It's a mistranslation uh, that raises all kinds of questions. We're going to get to this in about six weeks. Last, I'll deal with how do, you, how do you help people who are demonized? It's a uh, verb in the Greek. So the, the term possesses raises all kinds of questions. Does a, a demon possess a Christian? Do they possess their spirit? Do they possess their soul? The term possessed isn't even there. It's can a Christian be demonized? And we'll see that they can, but they can be set free. Uh, and epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Again, 
baptized in the declaration of the gospel of the kingdom with healing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2. And behold, a leper came, worshiping him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Same uh, story in each of the three Gospels other than John at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, establishing something of his willingness as he uh, establishes the fact that healing is tied in with the uh, extension of the kingdom. Verse 14, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demonized. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Jesus is a healer. Chapter 12, verse 15. And when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Matthew 14, verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Are you kind of getting something here? God's a healer. The Father heals. Jesus heals. We also see that the Holy Spirit heals. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Johan shared this over the last few weeks about the manifestations of the Spirit. Verse 7, but the manifestations of the Spirit are given to each one for the profit of all. Manifestation means to make seen or known. So what's being made seen here? It's the spirit that's being made seen. That's what it means. The, in, in verse 1 where it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant, the term gifts isn't there. In my Bible, it's in italics to show that it's not actually there. It actually says, now concerning the spirituals or the supernatural, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. So what he's talking about are these manifestations of the spirit. These are things that make the spirit seen and known. They're not things that make my ministry or my gifting seen and known, my holiness, my level of maturity. These are things that make the Spirit seen. That's why the Holy Spirit can manifest himself through any believer. From the very day you're filled with the Spirit, he can manifest himself through you. You don't have to grow in maturity. You don't have to grow in faith. You don't have to grow in anything. You just have to be open to the Spirit. And the fact that he manifests himself through us doesn't mean I'm mature or my doctrine is right, or I'm living a holy life. He can manifest himself through people who aren't because it's a manifestation of the Spirit. Spirit is being seen. I don't even know where I am in my notes here. (laughs) One of these manifestations is healing. So when the Spirit manifests himself through healing, it's the Holy Spirit who does it. So, foundation principle 
of everything we're going to build on is this. God is a healer. He's revealed himself to be that. That's what we see in the word. Let's not go beyond that yet. Don't jump to the end. Don't skip to the next thing. Start with that. Let that sink into your mind and your heart that God is a healer. Very simple. Healing is found in him. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. I'm running out of time here. I ran out of time here, but I'm still going. Verse 43, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had, been, had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And they all denied it. Peter and all those with him said, Master, the multitude throng and press you and you say, who touched me? Like, what's wrong with you? Everyone's touching you. And Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Where was the power for healing? See, if you read that out of context, some people have taught it was in faith. Her faith healed her. That's what it says. No, the power was in Jesus. He healed her. What is he saying? He's saying you had enough faith to come to Jesus. So you understand the situation. This woman has an issue of blood. In Jewish culture, that made her unclean. She couldn't be out in public. She couldn't touch anyone. If she touched someone, she made them unclean. So she sneaks up behind and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And then when he says, who touched me? She doesn't say anything because she knows what she's done. She's violated the law. And she's made, according to the law, she's made Jesus unclean. Obviously that couldn't happen. But that was her thinking. And so Jesus says he felt power go out from him. And then he says to her, your faith has made you well. Your faith that caused you to press through the obstacles and come to the place of touching Jesus. Healing is in God. So what's the application for us? It's this. One of the key ingredients that we're going to see as we go along is the presence of God. One of the key ingredients, if we're going to move in the supernatural realm of healing, is cultivating and practicing the presence of God. Now, as Tim said, there is something as we gather together, there's something of our focus being on God, and there's something of his presence manifest. In fact, Corinthians says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, or the dwelling place of God, you being plural. 
He's saying you, but it also says in another place, you are the temple. You being singular. And so there's something that happens. I have to admit, practicing the presence of God, focusing it on the Holy Spirit and what he's doing is not my strong suit. I have to grow in that. I have wonderful powers of concentration. My wife thinks I'm, she thinks I'm lovely. I grew up doing my homework in a, in a fam- big family on the kitchen table. Everything's going on and I just learned to tune out everything and focus. I can read a book and our kids would come and talk to me and I'd even, not even know they were there. So my wife thinks I'm definitely one track minded, uh, which I think is a strength. I'm claiming it as a strength, but the problem is, <laughs> I don't get sidetracked. Look, something. Problem is, I'm, I go to Bunnings to buy some nails for a project I'm doing. That's all I see. I'm going there to get my nails. Someone, I mean, the Holy Spirit could be said, this person needs prayer, this person. Nails, 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 nails. <laughs> see, I have to really work at saying, God, what do you want to do? because I get so focused. When you turn around and can't find me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's she talking to? Yeah. <laughs> Mary's fault. What am I saying? Uh, we just have to grow in being sensitive to the Spirit, practicing the presence of God. Uh, because it's His presence. It's people connecting with Him. You can't heal anyone. I can't heal anyone. But the wonderful deal is that we carry the presence of God. Jesus said, we'll make, I'll make my dwelling in you. He's given you the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, who is the healer. And so sometimes he wants to touch people, and we get to be a part of it, but it's not us. Rest assured. And so when he does use us to touch someone, he gets the glory. Oh, it's not my faith. It's not my holiness. Oh, well, I mean, it was Jesus and me. <laughs> Jesus couldn't have done it without me. Most often, he won't do it without us. But he doesn't need us. So what am I saying? I'm wandering now. He's the healer. He's the awesome one. We need to learn to cultivate and practice his presence. We're going to finish with a song, an old hymn. Uh, I've asked the guys to do. They weren't prepared. I threw it at them at the last minute during their, when they finished their preparation this morning. That's a whole hymn. It's just how great thou art. And I want to say this. There's something in here of priorities, but it's also understanding We're never going to move into the supernatural unless we have an absolute conviction of the greatness of God. He's the one. He wants to use us, which is incredible. That's humbling. But he's the one. And so as we sing this, let's just allow him to imprint that on our heart. And let's get our focus on him. Second verse. 
says uh, that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in. That it's overwhelming. Romans says, if he did not withhold his only son but gave him freely for us, will he not also freely give us all things? Whatever our need, it pales into insignificance compared to the greatest gift, which is the son who took our sin and redeemed us for eternity. When we see the greatness of God. So if you'd stand, if you can, and let's just sing this together.